Good morning. Welcome to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bearden, Arkansas. We, we pray that you are encouraged by the Word of God. God loves you, and so do I. We look forward to seeing you soon. Good morning. Today's scripture will come from Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for allowing us to gather together as a church family to glorify your name. During this pandemic, we pray for healing, peace, and understanding. We ask that you bless everyone in a special way. Thank you for being so, so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Grab the word of God. Turn to John chapter 7, beginning at verse 1 to verse 9. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hated me because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. It's time to break the cycle. It's time to break the cycle. One of the little known facts about Jesus Christ that is within the Holy Writ is the subject of his relationship with his family. We know much about his interaction, concern, and care for his mother, Mary. We know a little about the social intervention between him and his earthen father or stepfather, Joseph. However, the focus of this text and the focus of this discourse is on his brothers. Mary and Joseph produced other children after the birth of Jesus Christ. She was a virgin at her conception. She never knew the touch of a man. She was a virgin during her 40 weeks of gestation. She was a virgin during her hours of travail and delivery. And she remained a virgin until after the days of purification and would later consummate her marriage with Joseph and produce several children, both male and female.
The historical narrative of the scripture skips the details of the master's childhood. We know not of his place of education. We know not of his friends that he went to school with. We know not of the daily tasks that he underwent. We know not of the relationships he developed with other children and young people. However, we do know that he was surrounded by an ever-growing family. Jesus' family was not a perfect family. It began with a sour note, for his mother was pregnant without the benefit of a husband or a health care plan. His father was wrestling with the idea of abandoning his pregnant betrothed before the wedding nuptials would take place. He would live under a roof of a man who was not his natural father. His young brothers and sisters would be complete DNA matches with each other. However, there could not be a complete DNA match because in his veins ran the blood of his mother and the blood of his father, Jehovah. His family was related to royalty, but not the benefactors of royalty. His earthen father, Joseph, had the position of a carpenter, one who has to repair soldiers' shoes and everyday workers' sandals. A carpenter who spent most of his working day bent over the cobbler's bench. He, he was not a rich man. However, he provided a lifestyle that suggests that Mary, Jesus, and the siblings were adequately provided for. There are no signs of an intervention by a social worker to their home. There are no signs of police interaction. It was a home that barely made ends meet, but ends were met. But perhaps today a lot can be learned just in this introduction. Many of us today here are living in a generation of halves and steps. Little brother is a half-brother and big sister is a stepsister. But blended together by the union of mom and that man or dad and that woman. Now, you may not look like your brother or talk like your sister. Your father may be tall and you may be short or you may be tall and your mother short. You may be living in a home that, with both mother and father. Or maybe your plight is that you have a single parent household with only your mother or father there. It's easy to allow social situations and circumstances in our lives to defeat us even before we get started. According to statistics, with divorce increasing and social traumas increasing with incest in the home and drug use at an all-time high, you can easily get discouraged and find yourself trapped in a cycle. We are living in times where there are now generational cycles. There are second and third generation wannabe gangsters. And we've even developed monikers for our gang uh, people by calling them OGs, original gangsters. There are now second, third and fourth generation families trapped by the welfare system. Mama was on welfare with several babies and grandma was on welfare with several babies. And even though you promised yourself that you wouldn't go out like that, you too are now in the same boat. 
They are now second and third generation drug and alcohol abusers. Those who have been affected by waves of cocaine in a country that allegedly seals its borders and you can't find a Cuban cigar, but it's easy to find cocaine in the inner cities. Where if you choose to go to jail for a little time, you use the expensive powder cocaine. But if you want to go to jail and stay a while, you use rock cocaine. Dads are drug users and grandfathers are drug users. There are second, third, and fourth generation of folks all over our communities. The family has a violence, a history of violence against women. The family has a history of shacking up without marriage. The family has a history of theft. The family has a history of trouble. The family has a history of untruthfulness. The family has a history of unsettledness. The family has a history of much talk and little action. What do you do when you are surrounded by these circumstances? It would be easy to take the same route and say, if mama did it, I'll do it. It would be easy to take the same route and say my brother was caught in it and I'll be caught in it too. It would be easy to say my sister was hooking and I'll hook up too. It would be easy to say that my brother lived this way and I lived this way too. But I've come to suggest today that yes, you can break that cycle. You can come up and come away from those who would tie you down. And let me go further to suggest that it's not always family that tie you down. Sometimes it's even the people you worship with every Sunday that can tie you down. Sometimes it's the same people you carpool with that can wrap you up. Sometimes the people you care about the most are the same ones who will attempt to tie your hands and feet. But brothers and sisters, the Lord told me to tell you today that it's time to break the cycle. Don't let your past circumstances tie up your future potential, but let the Lord be the breaker of the cycle. Let the Lord lift you up out of the muck and mire and place your feet on solid ground. Jesus' interaction with his family is a classic exposition and illustration of this sermonic dissertation. By the time the seventh chapter of John's gospel begins, we find him six months removed from the conclusion of the sixth chapter. He has left the celebration of the Passover in chapter six to be found in the outermost region of Judea during the Feast of the Tabernacle. Now, Josephus, the early historian and theologian, wrote that the Feast of the Tabernacle was one of the most festive and celebratory of the Jewish celebrations. It was during the Feast of the Tabernacle that Israelites proclaimed their joy in the journey and in the search of the soon coming Messiah. People left their homes to joyously commiserate in Judea. However, Jesus has just suffered setbacks and the biggest setback of his ministry. Follow me now. In John 6 and 15, he turned down the crowds offered to be their king. A multitude of disciples have left him in John 6 and 36. His question, his credibility is questioned. There is a price on his head. There is a disdain for him from the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. He is in the third year of his three-year ministry, and time is at a premium. And now he goes to his home region, Galilee, and is surrounded by 
his people and he wanted to go to Judea, but there is a price upon his head. And the three things we want to look at. The first thing is that some people have ulterior motives. It seems not out of the ordinary. His brothers have given suggestions to Jesus. Imagine that. People who never have experienced an insight that Jesus has are giving advice to the Lord. Their advice is, go where more people can see your miracles. You can't be famous hiding like this. If, if you're so great, prove it to the world. Uh, why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the works you do? No one intends to be publicly known, does everything behind the scenes. So, so if you're serious about what you're doing, come out in the open and show the world. Okay, it sounds good. But John does not give us the liberality of thinking well of these brothers of Jesus. John says it sounds good, but let me give you the bad news. Look at what he says. He says the brothers don't believe him. They grew up with Jesus. They saw him do great things. They saw him grow up and were not like the other children. Okay. See, there's tension in the relationship. John 1, 10 through 11, he came to his own, but his own received him not. John 12 and 37, he performed miracles in front of them, and they did not believe. And even though his brothers, James and Jude, would write two books of the Bible, right now they don't believe. If he had followed their suggestions, it would have admit, at least meant jail. If he had followed their suggestion, it would have at least meant an angry mob around him. If he had followed their suggestion, it would have at least meant a premature death sentence. And somebody here understands that sometimes even your relatives don't mean you any good. Even your children don't mean you any good. Even your parents don't mean you any good. And how can they relate to this brother? Jesus. They make sandcastles. He makes the world. They make appointments, but he creates time. They make dinner, but his meat is to do the will of the Father. They sleep. He neither slumbers nor sleep. They work eight-hour days, but he's available 24-7. They go to the doctor, but he is the great physician. They are men, products of man and woman. He is both God and man who is from everlasting to everlasting children of God. You need to understand that jealousy and unbelief is dangerous coming from anybody. But even your own people can harm you. You wanted to be a doctor, but they said be something else. You want to buy a home, but they said rent is just fine. You want to pursue a career, but they said you'll never make it. Secondly is you need to know your time. The Lord says, I can read your words. Let me tell somebody here, you need a lot of things in your life, but you need discernment and you need holy discernment. Discernment is not only figuring things out, but listening to the Holy Spirit as he warns you of some things. The Lord says that although your suggestions sound good, it's not my time. The father's not through with me yet. It's, it's not time to be in that position. It's not time to be in that arena. And I have learned, brothers and sisters, that Jesus was on a timetable because timing was 
important to him. And if Jesus is on a timetable, you and I must be on a timetable. God has some things that are cut out for us, but at the right time. That's why children shouldn't try to be grown at 12. It's not your time. That's why a 14-year-old shouldn't have babies. It's not your time. That's why a 9-year-old has no business wearing mascara. It's not your time. That's why an 8-year-old has no business waving the gun. It's not your time. So the Lord's disciple as well as us need to know what time it is. And that moving out of time, especially appointed time, is not wise. So Jesus looks at his family and says, you're in your time. You ain't going anyway. You ain't praising the Lord. You ain't moving forward in your life. So don't stop me. So I need to tell us that sometimes the Lord folks need to understand God's timing and understand that God will allow you to go through some things and will watch you pray and pray until you think he won't come through. But is there a witness here that knows that he may not come when you want him to, but he's always on time? There's a time to move forward. There's a time to stay still. There's a time to step out on faith. There's a time to rest on his promises. There's a time to open your mouth. There's a time to shut up. There's a time to offer your opinion. There's a time to wait on the Lord. There's a time to go back to school. There's a time to start your own business. There's a time to dream dreams. There's a time to make decisions about your future. But Jesus says, leave me alone. It's not my time. The father didn't tell me to go and you can't overrule the father. You're here comfortable, but you don't know what the world really thinks about me. I believe I need to tell you that people will sit on the sidelines of your life and offer suggestions on how you should act on the playing field. But they will never, ever suit up for the real game. It's amazing for me to hear folks give driving instructions. And don't have a license or a permit. It's amazing to me to hear folks criticize somebody else's cooking, but they've never stepped in the kitchen. It's amazing to me to hear folks speculate on how someone else is raising their kids and they've never had a child. It's amazing for me to hear folks give advice on how to handle a husband or a wife and you've never been married, never asked to be married, never looked upon to be married. It's amazing to me to hear folks give advice on how the church should worship when they never lift up holy hands, never stay awake for service, and never praise the Lord. The Lord says you don't know what it's like to be me. But if you're going to break the cycle, you've got to break out the box. Dare to dream different. Dare to speak different. Dare to learn different. Dare to experience different. Jesus confesses that a crowd can be dangerous. He says that they gather not to praise him, but to seek his death. And let me tell you this. There's a fine line between a crowd and worshipers. A lot of people can come together, but there is no power there because there are no worshipers. But if a group of people gather together and not lift up the name of Jesus, it's not a church. If a group of people gather together and his name is not praised, it's not a worship setting. If a group of people gather together and he's not being worshipped, it is a mob and not a collective of worshipers. Then the Lord turns the tables and says, if you think it's that easy, you go to Judea. 
Brothers and sisters, if you're going to break these cycles in your life, you're going to have to tell some people, some friends, some loved ones, some church folks, some no good folks, some critics, some freeloaders, some friends cutting you back, some people cutting you back to go to Judea. Cut the ties, empty the glass, tear up the contract, release the chain. You can't go forward with people whose mind is not on your success. Then lastly, you've got to move when it's the right time. The writer John, whose emphasis in his gospel is to show to unbelievers that Jesus is Lord, painstakingly says that the Lord did not move. He stayed in Galilee but only for a while. See, if we're going to break these cycles in our life, we need to know when it's time to move. Don't move just because other folks are moving. Don't move because you saw it in a dream. Don't move because you felt a chill in your back in church. Don't move because everybody else is moving. Don't move because you have a coin on your foot that's itching. But before you move, that's a good time for reflection. John says he abode there, but the Greek word means more than just sit there and do nothing, but it means he lived in Galilee. He went about his usually daily routine. He kept on praying about his direction. He kept on loving his family in spite of themselves. He kept on hanging on to God's unchanging hand. He kept on listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And somebody here, that's what God is saying. Before you go out, you need to stay a while. Live there. Don't stop living because of your circumstances. But the Lord stayed in Galilee. But his brothers decided to follow his advice. And the word says that they went to Judea. I have discovered that some people have to see for themselves. They won't take your word when God gives you a word. Jesus told them that he can't go there freely and that they could. They, they should have stayed home and enjoyed the presence of the Lord. They should have stayed home and took Jesus' word for it. But they decided to go on anyway. But when they got there... Nothing happened because they weren't the one that the crowd wanted. I've come to tell you that when God has something for you to do, when you do it, he will open the eyes of the people. He will make a receiving for you. He will make things work out for you. Jesus then decides it's time to go to Judea, but not on the terms of the crowd and not on the terms of the brother, but on his own time. However, somebody here knows that it feels like it's your time or that your time is about to come into play. But it's understand, time to understand that God is at work. It's time to understand that God has something better for you, that God is working on you. God is about to deliver you. God is about to set you free. God is about to move you to a new level. God is about to carry you through. God is concerned about you. God is ushering you to a new dimension of ministry. It's time to understand that God is about to give you a praise like you never had before. God is about to give 
give you a shot like you never had before. God is going to use you like never before. God is going to bless you like never before. God is going to help you like never before. And anybody understands that when God is in the picture, he'll carry you from place to place, from glory to glory, from valley to hills, from the ground to the air, and he'll place you on a rock that's higher than I. He carried Jesus all the way. He came from heaven to earth to show the way. He was born in the manger. From the earth to the cross, my sins to pay. He died on the cross. From the cross to the grave, he got up with all power in his hand. From the grave to the sky. That's why I lift his name on high. We can break these cycles in our families. But it starts with us. You have been listening to the Light of the World broadcast, a ministry of the Holly Grove Baptist Church in Bridgen, Arkansas. We hope you will join us next week.